Welcome back to the Flipping the Industry podcast. My name is Tori Johnston and I am your host. I am here today with an incredible platform artist, Sheila. She is from Florida. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Sheila. Hey, Tori. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. And my name's Sheila, everyone. I live in South Florida in Boca Raton. I've been in the hair industry since 1984, and I love it. If anyone would have told me in 1984 that in 2022 (laughs) that I would love the industry more today than I did when I started, I would not have believed them. But it's true, and I'm here today to just share some little nuggets with you. Oh my gosh, I'm ready for it because... It's incredible how much the industry has grown since I've joined, but I can't imagine what all you've seen since then. Yes. All the change. There's been so much change. When I started in the industry, it was 1984. And as many of you know, what was going on in the 80s, we had big hair, very (laughs) brightly colored clothes, really fun music. And it was just a whole different time. Perms were really popular, pulling highlights through caps as opposed to foiling, but that's coming back again. Um, And then just evolving through through the decades, really. We've got the 80s and then the 90s were rock bands, grunge bands, you know, hair. I feel like hair gets inspired by music a lot and what's going on in the culture. And like back during the 90s, it was just all those highlighted tipped hair, um, longer hair, permed hair, (laughs) big bangs. And then like, I feel like something got lost in 2000. But everything just started to like change and shift and more things were straight more things were straight and smooth <laughs> yes and bobs and clean lines and yes everything went from really free flowing to more c- almost conservative right more. yeah very like posh spice you know yes sleek exactly and flat it was it, i remember that too it's so funny because it's like right as that clock struck midnight <sighs> On December 31st of 1999, it seems like everything was very straight. And I think that's when, you know, I want to, this is an odd thought, but, you know, I think that's when heat damage really became a thing because there was, there were so many people trying to really force their hair to be something that it wasn't. Right. Straight, polished, Vidal Sassoon-esque. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Very interesting how, you know, styles and trends change. And to go back to, you know, the 80s, a client um, and I were actually talking last week. That's so funny you brought up those bangs. And I mean, we were talking about ingredients and how ingredients have also come a long way. And she was like, yeah, I mean, my mom could stack her hair so high back then, you know, it would just be standing straight up curled. It was so tall. And she was like, now she can barely get it to stand up. And I'm like, I think it has something to do, you know, with our products. They don't have the ammonia <laughs> in them anymore. Um, a lot of the time, and they're just weaker in, in a sense. Right. And a lot of the hairsprays used to have a certain ingredient in it that was actually harmful. 
to us and they actually remove those ingredients. But I still think that Shaper has a pretty good firm hold on the hair to get that height back, you know, as far as hairspray goes. But a lot of the hairsprays were more like lacquer back in the day. So it could help with big, big hair. Products change, coloring styles, styles in general have changed. Absolutely. Um, How we run our businesses and respect ourselves has changed a lot. Mm. Um, What was... As far as business-wise, when you graduated school, what was it like? Did Were people doing commission or booth rent or both? So basically, when I finished school, it was commission-based salons. And mm-hmm. in California, it was um, people were more generalists at the time where you would do cutting, coloring, perming. And you would work in a commission-based salon. You would usually go in and apprentice the owner or another stylist. And you would have a certain amount of time that you would be with that person until you could go on the floor. And you would Mm -hmm. have things that you would have to accomplish before you could do that. And then fast forward, that was in the 80s. And then in 89, I moved to New York City. And it was a whole different ballgame, like West Coast, East Coast, was completely different because in New York, everything was departmentalized. So I went from where you could be a generalist to where they're telling me you have to choose color or cutting. And to me, Mm. that was so foreign because I always felt that would be like an analogy, like baking a cake, but not putting the frosting (laughs) on it. You know, it's like you get everything going and you want to finish the whole look. And then all of a sudden you have to send it over to somebody else. So that was something that I had to get used to when I moved to the East Coast. But by God's grace, it didn't last Mm -hmm. long because I ended up in a salon where I was actually able to do both. Wow. So that's really interesting too, because I I think there are, you know, a a few departmentalized salons still standing. And that kind of rocks my world too, because... I, I work with a co-stylist and so I, I feel kind of departmentalized at times, you know, because Mm -hmm. I don't get to do the finishing services like blow dry and style. And so I miss that. I miss that so much. Anytime I get to help blow dry, I'm in there. And of course they're relieved. They're like, Oh, praise the Lord. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, give it to me. Give me that round brush because I truly miss it. And so for someone who likes to do all of the little sections of styling and hairstyling, that would be really hard. Right. I feel like as you progress in the industry, the thing that I've realized in my career is that at one point, all those things were super important. When I first started out, it was like the building blocks, the (laughs) foundation of really understanding what I really loved about what I was doing and the things that I've grown to understand that having a co-stylist working with you is really great because I don't really want to do the blow dries now. (laughs) Right. I want, but I do want somebody that understands the way that I work, but can do it better than me. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the key. They got to be better than you. And most of the time it's so, it's so interesting to, to be around people who are building their confidence because half the time they get to a point where they already are much better than you, but they have no clue. And you're like, my friend, you are 
so skilled that you don't even realize it. It's just, it's so magical to see throughout that process. And then you get to somewhat pick and choose, you know, you're like, okay, well, you can kind of choose what's departmentalized at that point, you know, like I'll skip out on the blow dry, but I still like to do the smudge at the bowl, or I still want to obviously install the row of extensions. Um, So it's kind of your choice. Absolutely. That's the best part about growing in the industry is understanding what you love and how to implement it, but also aligning yourself with people who work with you together, where everyone's working together as a team, not working in opposing forces, but working in tandem to give each client, each guest the best of what each of you has to offer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think throughout your time in the industry, um, have you been a part of scenarios and and teams where it was the opposite of that and teams where it's just really felt like home? Most definitely. I, um, early on in my career, I worked for people, like I said, in commission salons. And then um, after I'd moved to the East Coast, I ended up owning my own salon. And I really tried to encourage each person that worked with me and my partner to thrive and to work together as a team that we weren't working against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like in the industry, sometimes um, people believe that a client belongs to them yeah. or a salon believes a client belongs to them. And really each individual showing up to have their hair done and, and trusting you to take care of them, they're, independent. They can do whatever they want. So love on them, treat them well while they're there, treat your employees or your coworkers just the way that you would want somebody to treat you. And you don't have to be against each other. You can lift each other up. I find that that's really what's helped me grow in the industry is that I love helping people. And that even means the people working right next to me. If you need a formula, let me share it with you. If you don't understand how something's done, I'll help you because I want to see everyone be successful and to live up to their God-given potential because I really believe God equips each one of us and he also equips us to be encouragers to each other. Oh my gosh, that is such a beautiful statement because it's so true and being able to fill in and, you know, where just be that puzzle piece in your team is so important for all of us, for each of us and the purpose that we have to come to fruition and building that and within your culture in the salon is so, so, so important so that everybody feels confident to do that, which I have seen that all over the place with IBE, all of the IBE salons. It is just like crazy to see all of them helping out, filling in. Like there are salons now with like 10 IBE stylists, 12, 13, 14. And it's like, it's just growing like wildfire so beautifully because we are able to see A, how IBE is taking care of the stylist, but B, how that stylist can now provide a solution for their guest. Absolutely. 
And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about IBE. And I'm in South Florida. And when I first started out, I was pretty much the only IBE certified stylist, but it's been beautiful to see that new people are certified and rising up in their status and becoming elite and master artists. And there are people locally to me, like pretty much, I do think that there's a couple within about a 15 to 20 minute radius. And then there's some 30 minutes away or 40 minutes away, but on numerous occasions where I cannot see somebody, I will refer them to the other IBE artists locally because I can do it with confidence knowing that yeah. they were trained by the best. Yeah. And that is a really good feeling. That's that mindset that's that's different, you know, coming from a place of truly wanting to help and truly it to me it's prioritizing your guest. Absolutely. It, it has nothing to do, you know, a lot of times what somebody thinks of you or how somebody thinks about you has nothing to do with you. The same, and it's the same thing here with your guests, like, you know, making sure that they're, they're taken care of and they have accommodations is the priority, um, not whether or not they stay with you. And I like that you mentioned the, um, I always say, you know, we don't own our guests that we actually are renting them and rent is due at each appointment. And that rent is the guest experience. That rent is um, how well their services perform. That rent is our continuing education and being able to provide them and being honest. Yes, I can do that. No, I cannot do that. You know, that is the rent that you owe them and we're renting them. We do not ever own them. (laughs) I remember Mackenzie had said something one day, um, I think it was on a live, but she said, who's looking out for the guest? And to me, that just spoke volumes. And that's one of the many things I love about Mackenzie. She's just an incredible, there are no words to describe how incredible she is. She's a force of nature. God has purposed her to create this whole IBE phenomenon. And, um, but she has integrity. She Mm -hmm. cares about the guests. She cares about her IBE artists. And I feel so thankful in this community to be aligned with such amazing people and to have her at the helm and also her husband who's right there next to her and they're, they work in tandem. They're a team. They're an incredible team, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. I think so too. I'm like, wow. And even her family, you know, her dad um, helps work, works in um, shipping in the warehouse and helps, I believe, keep a lot of things organized. And their family is, is truly, I mean, a huge, huge blessing. I, I admire their family, honestly, and how well they, they all pitch in to this. I know it's so incredible to see the kids doing everything (laughs) and her parents and it's just awesome. And it's, it makes you even want to be more engaged and more involved because you know exactly who's making it all happen. That's right. So how has this community played a role in your career or, you know, where or how 
did you get into extensions? Was that something early on in your career or just Mm -hmm. later? So I've been doing extensions for over 17 years and how that actually happened for me was I never really wanted to do extensions. I was like, oh, I don't really, you know, think that they're healthy for the hair based on what was available at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, a client came in to have her color done and I did it and she had extensions in her hair. And when she went back to the woman who did her extensions, the woman said, who did your color? No one's ever matched your color so perfectly to the extensions. Mm -hmm. So she asked for my number and she called me and she said, I have my own technique and I would love to teach it to you if you would like to learn it. And I was like, okay, that sounds awesome. So I went and met with her. I learned her technique. I became certified and um, I started doing her extensions and then I became certified in another technique and another technique throughout the years, Um, pretty much sticking with a certain type of extension. And I loved it, but I wasn't like a majority of my clientele. I was still heavy in the color. Yeah. And then over the last five years, I started getting certified in different techniques, maybe six years. And then, um, because I just became more passionate about it, but I didn't like the culture of Mm. a lot of the, um, ones that I became certified in not to throw anybody under the bus. So I won't say any names for me. Integrity is everything because I feel the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. So some of the companies that I was training and I didn't even actually finish the certification because I couldn't align myself with them because their standard wasn't high enough for me. So, and then I'll never forget the day that I saw Invisible Bead. I filled out the form really quick and Tyler called me and we spoke and I pretty much just said to him exactly what I just said to you. And he assured me it would be different. And then by God's grace, um, Mackenzie was my mentor, my original mentor. She helped me through. And um, when I met her for the first time on WhatsApp, I just knew that I was in the right place. And over the last three years, almost, it's proven to be a great decision. One of the best decisions. And it's because I love what I do, like I said in my introduction, but I love it more now because I love learning. And this has challenged me in ways that I hadn't been challenged in years. It forced me to work harder, um, engage in learning, um, testing my boundaries, all those things that keep what I'm doing relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was blessed to meet you and all these other wonderful, amazing people who have a passion as well. And I'm actually so humbled. I think you remember at um, the Platform Artist Retreat, I could barely contain myself. I was like crying hysterically, ugly crying, (laughs) because... I truly am so moved by each individual, even sitting there, just the, um, everybody was just so engaged and wanting to learn, but also so supportive of each artist that was there. When do you ever see that in, in any industry? 
it felt like reconnecting with family, which I had never even met, you know? And so it was really like, I even have chills thinking about it right now. You know, it's just kind of interesting how just truly dynamic that whole, our whole bunch is. Oh my gosh. The talent in that room. Incredible. I mean, it really is something, something to behold because, you know, because I like that you mentioned the extension culture Mm -hmm. within whatever brand it was, but there really is an extension culture um, within our clientele and within, you know, the industry. And it's something to see, um, or maybe even something that you don't care to see. And so once you find that one that's perfect for you, everything feels so right. Everything you feel safe, um, you feel encouraged, you feel true, true, like love. There's just love there. And the push to be successful and to further your career within that industry is totally there within IBE something that I haven't ever seen, but I want to talk about too, just how it can be hard. And mm-hmm. we had mentioned previously chatting, um, you know, stylists don't finish things. There's a statistic about how many times you hear about a hairstylist or someone goes to school, cosmetology school, and they don't finish or right. they do finish and then they go work somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm it's kind of scary to think about and same with IBE, same with certifications. You hear about people start their journey and not finish it. And so IBE is definitely one that, um, is hard. (laughs) A lot of stylists, like I'm sure you felt this way, like, Oh, I got this. I'm just going to get in here and learn this method. And then you're like, Whoa, Absolutely. When actually, when I was at the platform artist retreat, I kept telling Jasmine and Mackenzie, I said, just scrutinize me. (laughs) I just want it to be like, I've never even trained because I want you to tell me anything I'm doing that I can do better. Because even though I'd been doing it for two years, this was the first time that I was actually doing it with eyes directly on me. And It was so exciting because part of being good at anything is being able to have somebody come alongside you and give you constructive criticism, give you guidance. I I don't even want to use the word criticism. Let's just X that out. Somebody to just stand alongside you and maybe show you ways that you can do something a little bit different, a little different nuance. And it can be a game changer all the way across the board. And invisible bead is a challenging technique, but that's what makes it so incredible because I've been to other certifications that you get certified in two hours and the technique is not anything that I would want to give to a client because we see the after effects of the client's hair and you know, how, what's the integrity of the application 
for the longevity of the client's hair. Most people that want extensions, a lot of people think, oh, it's just because we really want long mermaid beautiful hair. And even though that can be the case, a lot of times people are coming from hormone imbalances, thyroid deficiencies, mm -hmm. um, multiple pregnancies, alopecia, cancer, and having a head of hair to them is everything because it's their tiara. It's what makes them feel comfortable in their own skin. So to learn a technique that is first and foremost to make sure that the integrity of the client's hair is what is number one. Mm -hmm. And then you get all those other benefits on the tail end, the beauty, luxurious, gorgeous hair, but it's so much more than just that. Right. And that's what IBE is. It really is. There's so much that goes, that goes into it on, on every side within the side for stylists and then the side for the consumer. And that I think is what makes it so beautiful is that they nourish both sides of that. And I think that that's what sets it apart. I agree with you. And as far as what we were talking about before, people getting involved in the industry or, you know, starting a course and not finishing it, mm -hmm. you know, that's the sad part of life. Uh, so many people start things that they don't finish, but I highly encourage every person, if you've started as a stylist and you became certified with IBE, Keep going till you're a platform artist. Yeah. Just keep going because you will never regret it. I mean, no. that's what I want to do. I want to call every person that didn't finish their certification and I want to encourage them to finish. <laughs> kind of interesting. I personally, like if anything, if I'm struggling, that's what's going to push me further. But there, there are times where it can get too hard. And I think that that's what's beautiful within um, IBE is we totally understand that your mentor does. They're so graceful um, oh my gosh. within all of that. But it's crazy to think about the beauty industry as a whole. The numbers in the beauty industry, you guys, are just crazy. They're growing like crazy. But actually, as far as the numbers go, with stylists, it's a huge percentage that leave the industry within the first year. 30%, 30% of stylists leave within the first one to two years. 21% leave within the first year. And there's only 13% that, that make it after 11 years. Right. So that's crazy to think about. Right. I think that in our society today, everything is instant gratification. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I've learned throughout my time in the industry is that everything worthwhile takes time. Yeah. And nothing great happens in a minute. This is true. So, you know, to encourage anybody in any, any part of their life is just to let them know that good things take time. And my dad always used to say to me, God rest his soul, um, you have to crawl before you walk. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're born, you don't instantly come out of the womb and just start walking. You know, it's a progression. First, you lie there, 
then you start to move, then you crawl, then you hold yourself up on the table, then you cruise the table, and then one day you take a step, and then pretty soon you're running. No matter your journey, you know, maybe you start out being an assistant and then you move on to be commission or booth rent or, you know, there's no right way because I, I want to mention this too. I think that within our industry, there's been this course that's been laid out, which isn't true. And I don't really know if our schools are encouraging this, this course or how it really got here. Some way it's been implied that you go to school you become an assistant, you do commission, maybe you booth rent after, after you booth rent, it's time to own a salon of your own. And then you get to own a salon of your own and everything will be sunshine and rainbows. But that's definitely not the (laughs) case. And everybody's journey can be very different. So I do truly believe assisting in the beginning is great. It's like, to me, that's like taking the highway versus the city road, you know, because you get to see and learn and absorb all those tips and tricks from your stylist that mm-hmm. maybe you won't have to learn the hard way along the way. And then from there, I think whatever journey is is pulling you and wherever that demand is to go there, whether it's booth rent right away, you go ahead, whether it's just to go right into a suite and then open a salon, you go for it, you know? Um, but it, it doesn't always have to be this assist and then commission and then you know so I think that that has a lot to do with stylists leaving too is they think that it's just such a long road to something when sometimes as long as you just keep your blinders on do that hard work and get things done it can be whatever you want it to be when I first started in the industry I worked in salons and then I ended up owning my own salon in Connecticut And I had it for a number of years. And then now I'm in South Florida and I've been working in a salon in South Florida since 2007, but I worked at one salon for one year. And then I've been at salon I'm currently at since 2008. And people always say to me, how, how is it that you've stayed in the same salon for so long? And I always say that I plant my garden right beneath my feet. Yeah. Because the grass isn't always greener. You have to cultivate what you want where you're at. And if you feel like you need to move your garden, that's okay. Do that's it. Right. But I mean, I've had different situations happen in the salon where I started where I am now. I was a commission stylist when I first started, but I was um, blessed enough that the owners said to me, you know, you've been so such a team player here, we'd like to offer you something different. So they offered me the possibility to be a booth renter. And I've been a booth renter for over 11 years. So wow, my next journey is to open a salon. (gasps) So that's just what I'm in the middle of cultivating. And I also wanted to go back to the IBE thing real quick and say that when I found IBE and met McKenzie and just saw that whole culture, I immediately knew that IBE was the only thing for me. Like I quit all other extensions at that point because I knew that that was just what I wanted, but it's not for every, you know, not everyone's going to only choose one thing. Right. And that's okay. But some of us will choose one thing because we know that's what's best for us. 
and our clients. You know, there's that quote, it's hard work beats talent when talent doesn't hustle. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think that that's a good thing to keep in mind because you may be working by someone who naturally is just gifted, you know, who just like their mind, like they don't measure anything. They don't, when they're mixing, they'll just grab whatever. And it's just beautiful. And things just, maybe formulations come easy to them or maybe haircutting just comes easy to them. You know, they can just feel their way around the head, around the shape of the hair. And there's just no method or magic to it. But something to keep in mind is that hard work, it can beat talent when you work hard and you are committed and you put 100% into something, you can become just as successful as some, as the person next to you who maybe everything comes easy to. So don't get down and, and feel beat up about that, you know, and give up because you'll appreciate it more than that person will, for sure. I agree with that, Tori. And another thing I think too is that a lot of times personality wins out over talent. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, if you're just the type of person that some people just are a ray of sunshine all day long mm-hmm. and people just gravitate towards them because they are. That's right. Because good hair is everywhere, right? At this point, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. So you've got to have that connection and that be that way for your guests. And not that even all the guests in this world are sunshine and rainbows, but You'll want the sunshine and rainbows if you are, but you know, there's some people who are cloudy and that's okay, <laughs> but you, 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 you'll get the cloudy people if you're cloudy. So, um, I think that that's something to keep in mind too, but it's, I mean, I can go so, so I can keep going on that. There's like, whatever, whatever you're putting out is what you'll receive as well. So I agree with you. Same with effort, same within this industry. And there's so much opportunity even now more so than ever with social media. So really interesting just to, to look at, I mean, back whenever you graduated hair school, you were probably having business cards, handing them out, putting them in parking lots. I know people would even do that in the early 2000s, you know, just go put flyers on people's car windshields, you know, just to get their name out. Yes. We did referral programs. I'd give you cards. If you sent me three clients, then you'd get a free conditioner conditioning treatment. I used to go to the department stores and go to the makeup counter and ask a a woman who was working there if she wanted to come in and have a complimentary service because then she could, you know, Mm -hmm. share my name with other people. But one thing that I've just learned is to be true to true to yourself never stop learning, always learn. Learning is key. Being open to learning something new. Like I am constantly watching different artists do different techniques. It just fuels my fire. It makes me want to do more. It makes me want to be better. I love seeing all these young new artists coming out. The thing too, um, back in the day when I got out of school, everything was magazines not the internet, you know, so people would bring a magazine, an old outdated magazine with the style. And then um, I don't know, I'm sure you're familiar with Behind the Chair, but that was 
innovative back in the day when behind the chair came out. And then all of a sudden we started to see on the internet, different people from different places doing different types of hair. And now that we have social media, you're seeing real live artists from around the world daily posting beautiful, amazing work and technique and people can bring that in. And that's what's so fun about the industry now. There's something for everybody. You know, something I didn't realize until probably last year is the story of Behind the Chair. And there was a pivot in in the industry because of them Um, and because of the resources that came along whenever they launched their website um, for stylists. I mean, tremendous. I was on that website probably within the first month that it launched. And I've been a member ever since. I like that you mentioned to always continue your education because that's something that also I think can help you be inspired and not start feeling that burnout. You know, when you have something new that you're excited to bring back to the salon, you're going to naturally feel excited, happy, and uh, more positive in general. Absolutely. There's a running joke at the salon I'm at. Everybody will come up to me and say, have you seen that one comb that does this thing? And I'll say, oh, here I have it. Yep. I always have whatever's new, whatever's just launched because I like to buy things and I'm always looking to see what's new and what's coming out to see if it'll work for me, if it'll enhance what I'm doing, if I could show somebody how to use it. I love it. That is me too. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I have so much stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, I tried that. I didn't love it. I, you know, that's one that's my go-to. I'm like, I'm on Amazon too. I like to try to find duplicates of things and Mm -hmm. and see if the duplicates are even, even match up or, or whatever. But yeah, I am, I am bad at buying too many tools. Absolutely. So especially. (laughs) Or another waiver or another cleaner and another blow dryer. Right. I'm like, oh, I can just take that one home then, you know, then I'll have like the one at work and the one at home. So I'm, I'm the same way with, with keeping things new. Do you you think that 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 plays into keeping a sustainable career behind the chair is continuing, continuing your education? 100%. I don't believe that I would be where I am today if I wasn't constantly engaging and learning. Yeah. And also knowing that there, I, I'm not, I'm not the best. I love what I do, but I try to be, be the best at what I do. There are so many people that I can learn from. I can learn from somebody who just came out of beauty school and I can learn from somebody who's been in the industry as long as I have or longer. Somebody, there's always someone who can teach us something. And that I really believe is what's kept my longevity in the hair industry. And also I believe that um, my faith keeps me from burning out because I believe every morning I like to wake up and I like to open my Bible. And even if it's 15 minutes to just take that time to be quiet and spend it with the Lord And that sets the tone for my day. Mm -hmm. And that helps me not to burn out because I know that everything I have comes from God. And if I have a new client, that's because God's allowed it. And if I lose a client, 
that's because God knew that I didn't need that client. That's right. And just trusting in that has helped me not burn out because I've had days in my career where I've had three people cancel the same day and I could be like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? How could these people cancel on me? I just look up to the sky and I just say, Lord, you know what I need. Right. And, and that just always makes it better. So that trusting and uh, believing definitely keep me going. That's so true because there are days where maybe, maybe you just needed rest, you know, Mm -hmm. and you, and you wouldn't have allowed it for yourself. God knew that that's what you needed in that moment. So he's like, I will give you rest because you need to go and take a break. Um, It's so funny just how you look on, look on those things. And even when you like try to plan things too, Mm -hmm. it's always interesting because I'm like, well, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but either way I'll find out. He'll let me know. He'll be sure to let me know whether this is meant to be or not. And my thing that I think I've learned from the industry and just with my faith too is patience. Um, Oh, yes, girl. Patience is huge, huge. It's hard. It's actually one of the first things I wrote on my little paper here. I'm like, patience. What helped you stay in the industry so long? Patience. Like you will have that lesson until you learn it. It's Mm -hmm. one of those. And so I feel like just more recently I have been more accepting of the nest of the necessity to be patient with things. I've seen how beautifully things come together outside of my own plans when mm-hmm. I'm patient. And so I'm like, okay, this is perfect. It's important in our business too, because things are changing day by day and it's hard to manage your own business when it's just you, you know, and right. when you don't have guidance or a sound mind naturally, like, you know, just keeping yourself at peace and remembering like everything's going to work out in its perfect way. It's hard sometimes because you get in your head. That is very true. I noticed um, with, you know, I thought I saw um, Instagram recently where a girl said, when I became a stylist, I was just a stylist. Then I became a stylist who had to become a photographer. Then I became a stylist who had to become a photographer and an editor. Then, And it went on and on and on. And that's so true with what's going on in our culture today with social media. We have all these new titles that we're doing. And I know that I do not do them all well. So I just came to the realization I need a young assistant like yeah. to take pictures for me. Then I actually hired one of my daughters to do my social media for me because I can't do it. I don't have time for it. I have thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of pictures. So I just realized I can't wear all the hats. So I have to delegate. That's another thing with even assistance and even with your daughters, it's like they may have something that they didn't even realize they were passionate about, but you saw that in them same with like assistants you see them like maybe sometimes you'll have an assistant who is just like downright good at formulations to the point where you're like what should I do on my client today (laughs) you tell me you know like that one maybe you'll have an assistant who is just like a fantastic hair cutter who 
when that client comes in and they, they want that shaggy face framing extension haircut, which is hard with extensions, she's your girl. You're going to let her go for it, you know? Um, or maybe you're going to have an assistant who's like amazing at branding and that business side of hairstyling where they're going to run or step into more of that like administration role. You'll have a little bit of everything, you know, they'll know, know how you want everything done, but they're going to shine at, at certain things. And so I think it's really good to encourage them to, to do those things and seek out opportunities for them. You know, when you're looking at growing and their career, um, what after they're finished with you, really encourage them. Same with your daughters, obviously. Like if that is something they're great at social media, I mean, the world is their oyster if that's the case, because there's so many opportunities there. But it's incredible whenever you stop and look at your person and really assess what is good for them. And then when you put the fuel in that and just watch them shine, it's just so, so, so incredible. Absolutely. That's another thing I realized too, is that when I was in, you know, the eighties part of my career, the beginning, I was single, young, you know, from LA to New York city to Connecticut. And then I became a mother and so there was a little shift in my career because you do things a little differently because I was managing a family and, right. you know, a career and then becoming a salon owner and having a family and managing and then deciding to move, you know, and starting over again. That was pretty significant in 2005. I just said to my husband, yeah. let's move to Florida from Connecticut. He's like, are you crazy? I'm like, maybe, but let's do it anyway. Wow. And then we had to start over. So for two years, I flew back and forth from Florida to Connecticut. And I worked wow. in the salon I own there while I decided what I was going to do here and then building my career again, where nobody knew who I was. Like nobody knew in Connecticut, I was seeing 25 clients a day. Here I am, you know, just this person, trying to build a clientele again. Right. So that was very humbling, really awesome experience. Wow. It was crazy, but I loved it. And, you know, to see now I'm in a different stage in my life. My husband and I are empty nesters. All of our kids are adulting. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And, um, mm -hmm. and then I embark on my IBE career and that's shifting my whole, um, time behind the chair because I went from having a completely filled book to navigating shifting, you know, out of some mm -hmm. of my other clients and putting in new clients and navigating that whole transition. So that's been really fun and exciting too. That keeps me young. Just being able to realize, you know, and see those ebbs and flows in your career where you have more to give during certain seasons you know, where now it's like, just because you own a salon and then you go booth rent doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that you have disappointed anybody. It doesn't mean that you haven't fulfilled your purpose. If anything, being vulnerable. And I, I feel like there's just this mindset around doing that. And in your case, it was moving. But even if it's just moving a block over, 
and you get rid of your salon and you move a block over and you go rent or you go commission or you know there's even stylists who have been two three years in the industry who go assist and just start fresh there's nothing wrong with that and it's actually more of an inspiring story to be able to share and and give to others in that way then it would be yeah you know I was an assistant and then I was a booth renter and then I owned my salon and I was done you know that okay that was that's not that that's not beautiful too but that was okay but I want to hear about people who have had this adversity and had to move across the country from north to south and and restart their whole career and then now what a beautiful time it is for you to step into that salon on a roll again Exactly. Pray for me, girl. Oh, yeah. I sure will. It's going to be amazing, though. I already know it. Um, I was talking to another IBE stylist about the same thing. God works in mysterious ways, but then looking back, it wasn't very mysterious. It just all makes sense. And so absolutely, it'll all in perfect timing come together. And I can't wait to see it. Um, And I can't wait to visit. I'm like, I'm going to I've got to come visit in Florida. Oh, when I first moved here, um, I was working in a salon for one year mm-hmm. after the two years traveling back and forth. And everyone was like, oh, you have to really um, build yourself up because during the summer it gets really slow because a lot of people are here seasonally. And I thought to myself, that's weird. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was weird. And so what I did was I just looked at my area I lived in and I'm like, okay, there's four public high schools. There's eight public middle schools. There's 13 public elementary schools. So that tells me that a lot of people live here. Right. Just in my town. And then I was like, and there's private schools. So it just shows you the scarcity mentality Uh where some people are like, oh, you have to do this because you're not going to have that. And I was like, oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to build my clientele to where I'm having people see me that live here full time. Right. Right. Yeah. And even if you wanted to do the opposite and just market seasonal visitors, you could do that and work all summer and then have a relaxing rest of the year. If you wanted to, you could really just maximize your time. And um, that's, what's beautiful about the industry (laughs) is that we really do get to choose. Um, and so for someone to, like you said, try to have that scarcity mindset, and it happens all the time within the industry. I mean, you type it into Google, how much do hairstylists make? And it's like, they make $10,000 a year or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's not that's not true. Um, and I don't know if that's just what a lot of hairstylists are reporting to the government <laughs> or which is That's a problem. Hysterical. That's <laughs> so problem. funny. Or we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot because now we, we we're having to work really hard to demand that respect. Um, but it's trending in that, in the good direction. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And I've seen so many things grow just in my short time. So like I, we mentioned earlier, I'm sure you've seen so much change within the industry, even specifically just within the client stylist relationship. Mm. I think it's so important to know 
your boundaries. Like I have a set of Mm non-negotiables and I just stick to them and that makes it so much easier. And, um, one thing that I would like to share is that there's an old saying that the customer is always right. Mm -hmm. And I just don't believe that. Yeah. I will treat every one of my clients with the utmost respect, but if I feel that I'm not the right fit for somebody or they're disrespecting me in any way or my assistant in any way, um, those are my non-negotiables. So I'll usually just refer them to somebody else or gently let them go. Right. Because we don't have to be abused in the industry where Mm -hmm. at one point I think people tolerate it a lot more. Yeah. 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 Because I think, and maybe that's been the switch is that, is that mindset. You know, I think that there are even clients still to this day who, who don't respect you and, you know, have that mindset of, well, I pay your bills type Mm -hmm. of thing. And that is, it is true, but we are also professionals and deserve to be treated as such. And so once we realized that it's okay to stand up for ourselves and it's okay to have these non-negotiables in our business and to actually have a business, um, yes, it's it's just interesting how people have learned like, oh, okay, this isn't gonna crumble my business or or sabotage my business. I can I can do this and I can have non-negotiables and I can have a beautiful business at the same time. Absolutely. And I would say 99% of the clients that I've had throughout my career have actually been, okay, 98. Amazing. (laughs) Right. But you know, you have to have that little 2%. Um, It keeps you humble and it reminds you that, you know, who you are and what you stand for. Otherwise we would just be floating through, floating through life, you know, So I appreciate the hard times. I appreciate that adversity because I know that there's a lesson um, woven (laughs) deep down within, within it. So it's, it's interesting just to see how, you know, I think I've learned a lot just from being a hairstylist because prior to my career and in the industry, I didn't think like that, you know? Right. Um, I didn't have that. I didn't maybe have as much to lose, I would say. Um, it's different whenever you have your own business versus when you're just working for someone else's. Um, so stepping into the hair industry, it was it was a lot to realize when that day happened. It was like, oh, wow, okay, here we go. I don't know if it was mainly just because of the social media thing and all of that. Like There was just a lot of pressure from the beginning. I almost... I know it was harder to build a clientele back then, but there there wasn't as much pressure either in a weird mm-hmm. sense to show up and exist. And now there's this pressure to exist and to be something, whether as if being yourself isn't enough, you know? Do you know what I'm saying in the differences there? I, compl- I completely understand what you're saying and I agree with you. It's... You know, back then you were more anonymous when I started out. 
you know, you were known in your little, little community, you know, where your salon was located. And now we are known in our local environment, but also we're trying to have a broader presence on the internet. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yes. 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 Where it was okay to just, you know, go to work and work really hard while you're there and um, maybe do a few things outside of work for your business, but mm-hmm. it didn't consume f- a whole nother work day. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's where it's important that we have to set boundaries for ourselves yeah. because if we don't, we can burn out like we were talking out bef- talking before. We need to to be able to to stop and pause, put our social media away for work purposes. And just be present. Exactly. Be more present. That's something I've been working on. And I even haven't, I haven't been showing up as much on social media, even taking as many photos with my guests because I'm just spending, I feel like I just want to spend time. I don't want to have this whole production every time I'm with them. So I think sometimes you just, whatever feels right, just just go with it, you know, and then for a while you'll be, and it's just kind of been gloomy here. I can't really get a good photo with my lighting. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to stress about it if I don't get my photos today. I'm not going to worry about it. You know, I think it's so important to give yourself that allowance, that freedom, you know, as stylist, we have to give ourselves grace. Right. You know, we can't put these high demands and pressure on ourselves all the time because then we'll have anxiety and we'll never feel like we're enough and we're not doing enough. And it's okay to just pause and rest. Exactly what I need to hear. And I know so many other stylists need to hear. So I know you stylists who are listening, just take that and think about it and and really put that into your life behind the chair because that's what Ms. Sheila says is what has kept her in this industry for so long. You know, it can all be so much. It can all be a lot. But if you're pacing yourself, then you can be here a long time and have a beautiful business behind the chair, honestly. Absolutely. And I would just say to have patience with others and have patience with yourself to believe in others and to believe in yourself. Always make sure to collaborate with others because you can always learn. Keep being educated and to have gratitude, but most importantly, always have fun. Thank you, Miss Sheila, for hanging out and spending time with us today and sharing your stories and being so vulnerable and open and being such an inspiration. I think we need to hear from more women like you, more women who have seen so many things and seen this industry turn around completely. And I'm so thankful that you came here to share your stories. Thank you so much, Tori. I appreciate you so much. And I am blessed beyond belief to be in the hair industry. I highly, highly encourage everyone to just stick with it and enjoy it because it's wonderful. It can always be. It is what you want it to be this industry. (laughs) Well, thank you again. And I cannot wait to see you so soon. I hope you have the best week 
and saying to our listeners, I hope you guys have an incredible week behind the chair and I will catch you guys on the flip side.